0: Hi, welcome back to The Horrors. Hi, I'm Elise. I'm Shay. And we're back with one of my personal favorites, 2008's
1: The Ruins. I remember hearing a lot about this when we covered... What was it? Oh, it was The Hallow. Oh my gosh. Yes, The Hallow, way, way back. Episode, I don't know, nine, maybe? Something like that. <laughs> yes, and we talked a lot about eco-horror, and you talked a lot about this, and it sounded so scary. And was it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was very deeply disturbing.
0: Yeah, definitely a lot more gore in this than that was in The Hallow. There's no more Groots anywhere. <laughs> no, no.
1: no, no more Groots. I mean, watching this, I found myself missing the Groots. Yeah. You know, I could I could handle the Groots. But there are some scenes in this movie that were very hard to handle.
0: Yeah, this movie will send fear into the hearts of plant parents everywhere. Oh,
1: fuck. <laughs> I didn't even think about the fact
0: that I have plants. Well,
1: I appreciate my fake ficus tree extra now, because I don't have to worry about that going haywire.
0: I'm killing you. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So this is continuing on our like Earth and space theme that we have going on in April, and this is an eco-horror movie. So starting with our ladies, we have Amy. Now, Amy is played by Jenna Malone, and the entire time I was watching this, I'm like, where the fuck do I know this girl's face from? And (laughs) you could say... Donnie Darko, The Neon Demon, Nocturnal Animals, which are all great movies. She's also in Consecration and Antebellum, but we might know her best from her role as Johanna in (laughs) the Hunger Games series. Yeah, just spent a lot of time with her a couple
1: weeks ago during my Hunger Games binge.
0: (laughs) Also, though, the
1: 2005 Pride and Prejudice adaptation. That's 100% correct. And in
0: my opinion, her shining role. She is an excellent Lydia Bennet. And then we also have Stacy. She is played by Laura Ramsey. She's known for The Covenant, No One Lives, Venom, and She's the Man. Oh my God, she's
1: the man! And she she's the man. <laughs> that is my very good friend's favorite movie ever. She was just Viola. She was Viola for
0: Halloween this year. It's like you with Accepted. Like you all have like those like little movies in there that are like <laughs> your favorite. I love that. <laughs> so some pre-plot trivia. The movie is actually based on the 2006 novel by Scott Smith. And I've read the book. The book is, oh, they will get under your skin the same way the movie does. Creepy Crawly. I remember getting it during COVID, which I don't know what prompted me. <sighs> I just really wanted to get into reading when I was by myself and had <laughs> no one to talk to about this kind of shit. So I read this and it is really good. And a common criticism I've seen about the movie is that obviously it doesn't treat the characters as in-depth as a 300-page text can, because I think we can agree the four main characters in the movie are pretty one-dimensional and are pretty easy to root against because (laughs) they all kind of suck in some way or another. But I will say the characters in the book, like you learn to root for all of them. Mm. They do have a lot of stuff and you learn more about their background and all that kind of stuff. So I definitely do recommend the book. And though the film takes place in Mexico during the summer, it was shot in Australia during the winter. Oh. So heavy coats were provided for the actors between takes and water and olive oil had to be sprayed on their bodies to simulate sweat.
1: All of that work had to go into making it look like summer. Why not just film somewhere
0: else? I mean, obviously, I wouldn't advocate that they actually film on ruins. No, but of course not. Like, but, at, but yeah, like film in a warmer climate that's yeah. a little closer to the truth yeah. of <laughs> what they're, you know, experiencing. Because yeah, obviously, all of the Mayan ruins, quote unquote, that the movie takes place on are all sets. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that was, was probably oh the most <laughs> culturally appropriate thing to do. But yeah, maybe pick a warmer climate. Yeah.
1: You could still be appropriate in a warmer climate, maybe. So let's get into it. Yes, yeah, so we begin with a cold open. We have a girl sitting in the dark somewhere crying. She begins screaming for help over and over again with no response. She is cowered up against the wall. She has a cell phone in her hand. She tries to ring out. There is no signal. We hear some rustling. We see fear cross her face. And then she is promptly dragged away into the
0: darkness. Ooh! Yes, and are we guns and roses? Because welcome to the jungle. We get- <laughs> A lot of panning shots of the wide expanse jungle, assumedly where this girl was snatched, and we're hit with the title card, the ruins. And then we're dropped into a resort by the pool. There are two couples and a German man. Yes. That we are introduced to. We have couples Eric and Stacy and Jeff and Amy. You could just tell with some of this dialogue that they are just insufferable Americans. <laughs> On vacation at a Mexican resort and like not taking anything seriously. There's even one quote, like I don't even remember the context. I guess someone ordered a different kind of drink, and I think Amy's like, "Your drinks are like blended with Hep B," and Uh I'm just like, "What the fuck does that even mean?" Like, what?
1: Like, I think it's in reference to. So they're in Mexico, and there is this lore of something called Moctezuma's Curse. Have you ever heard of it?
0: I've heard of it, but I don't know the context.
1: I learned about this in literally the sixth grade. So if I get this wrong, it's because I learned about it in the (laughs) sixth grade and have not revisited it. But it's this kind of legend that like if you drink water and you're not like a local who's used to the water, it'll make you sick. Oh, okay. And they attribute it to Moctezuma's curse because he was betrayed by, I forget what group of people, like white Anglo-Saxon folks, like Hernando Cortez. Oh, okay. And so then now they call it Moctezuma's curse. But she is right to the extent that they really shouldn't be drinking the water there because they're not used to it. It could make them sick. I think that does literally happen, but it's all wrapped up in this legend of Moctezuma.
0: And obviously being offensive by assuming that their water has Hep B in yeah. it. Yeah, I like, don't think that's the case. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're insufferable. Great. Can't wait for these people to die. And then we meet Matthias. I wrote his accent is slippin' and slidin'. <laughs> he's supposed to be German, but he's a British man. And you can tell he's fighting with himself trying to get this right. And I know him from across the universe. I think his name is Joe Anderson. I was like, sir, you're supposed to be singing the Beatles right now. Why are you here in Mexico? But Matthias comes and introduces himself to them. He's chatting them up. And he starts telling them, oh, my brother Heinrich went with some girl off to some excavation site to see some ruins and he hasn't been back. Do you want to come with me and like, maybe see what he's up to. It's like their last couple days of their vacation. Jeff is like a medical student and is going to be going back to medical school and won't get to like vacation for another while longer. So he really rallies the troops and convinces them like, when else are we going to be in Mexico and have this type of experience? Some of Matthias's Greek friends want to go with us like, come on, this would be great. So they all decide, okay, after we party one last night on the beach, we'll go tomorrow.
1: That night on the beach, as they party, Amy gets super wasted. <laughs> she's fallen all over the beach. Eric and Stacey are kind of laughing at her. Jeff tries to get her to go to bed, but she doesn't want to go. She wants to stay and dance. So Jeff leaves everybody to go to bed. And she gets all flirty flirty with Matthias and tries to kiss him. But Stacy ends up losing a bet with Eric because she tells Eric, no, she's not going to try to kiss him, even though Eric is convinced that, yes, she will try to kiss him. She loses the bet, sees Amy trying to make a move and goes and is like, I'll dance with you instead, Amy. And they have like a cute friendship moment. And then the night is over.
0: Yeah, the next morning I wrote Amy is hungover and Eric is horny because the conditions of the bet were if Amy tried to kiss Matthias, then Stacey had to give Eric head. And (laughs) so he's trying to get his side of the bet taken care of. Meanwhile, Jeff is convincing Amy to go on the ruins. Amy doesn't want to go. She just wants to lay by the pool. He convinces her, and the next scene we see is the four of them, plus Matthias and this man, Dimitri, arrive in a city off of a bus where then a local agrees to drive them to the ruins. Amy, again, in very early 2000s fashion, is taking pictures of everything. <laughs> like He's, children. Oh my god, I hated side. This. Like, it's so strange. I know, it's like the most weird thing ever. I mean, but she does call it out. She's like, I don't think we should be doing this. Like, this feels a little weird, I'm in flip-flops. You didn't say anything about hiking. And there is hiking. But of course, Dimitri says the magic words in terms of extra money for this cab driver. And he's like, yes, fine. I'll take you to wherever you want to go. And takes them as far as a path into the woods where they would then need to hike in order to reach the village.
1: It's worth noting that Dimitri is part of a group of people back at the resort that the characters in this movie refer to as the Greeks, (laughs) because they're Greek men who are vacationing at the resort. His other friends were supposed to come with him, but there's a lot of lines in this movie about they were probably too hungover or, you know, partying too hard the night before. So Dimitri
0: is the only one that makes it. So they stop at a stream. There's some ominous kids watching them. But Matthias ends up uncovering a blocked path that he sees on a map, but you could see was intentionally obstructed for some reason. So, okay, what the fuck is going on? The men explain it away as the women show genuine concern. Again, women live longer than men for a reason. (laughs) So they continue walking and they arrive at the ruins. So as they walk up on it, they don't climb it or anything like that. They're just kind of walking around it and taking it all in. A man on a horse approaches and starts yelling at them in, I'm not sure if the language is mine, but just in a language they can't understand. Jeff thinks that this is like a toll that they have to do in order for them to like sightsee, thinks that he has to just give him money, but the money is rebuked. And then more armed men on horseback arrive. And Amy is taking photos. I'm like, put your fucking
1: camera down. Yes. And as she is backing up, trying to get everybody in the frame, because more people have just arrived, she ends up stepping into some of these vines that have grown themselves down the side of the ruins and onto the ground. And when that happens, the men on horses start yelling even more. They are visibly upset. Dimitri goes to Amy, walks into the vines, tries to bring her out of the vines, and then approaches the people on the horse again, trying to reason with them or figure out what's going on. But even though the men on horses are visibly, it seems, trying to get Dimitri to stop, (laughs) you know, they have their hands up, they're yelling, Dimitri continues to advance forward, where they then promptly shoot him with an arrow first in the chest, and then the main man on the horse shoots him in the head
0: and he dies. So this causes the rest of them to retreat on top of the ruins. So they climb the stairs all the way to the top because they think that they are being persecuted. They are being killed, but they aren't followed. So they they continue surrounding the ruins, but they are the only ones that are physically on the ruins. More men surround the ruins as they reach the top. And once they do reach the top, they discover a camp with tents and utensils and equipment, but there's nobody there. They also see what appears to be like a well... There is like a crank with a bunch of rope on it that leads down inside the ruins Mm -hmm. but that you would have to like lower yourself down into. Like I don't want to call it a cave and I don't want to call it a well because there's not water at the bottom. It's like a hollow pyramid. Yeah. It's just like something that would take you down inside the structure. Yes. From the top. They don't have signals on their cell phones. And this is where we kind of see, okay, Matthias had a very specific reason that he wanted to go because he starts yelling for Heinrich. Because I think he had an idea that Heinrich was missing and that it wasn't as casual as he was making it out to be. He wanted more people to be there to come with him to look for his brother. They try to figure out what's going on as more folks arrive around the ruins and start setting up camp. And this is where I wrote, Jeff is both optimistic and doctor. He doesn't let us forget that he's in medical school, everybody. He won't let us forget. He's like, oh, listen, we're going to miss our flights tomorrow. Someone's going to have to come looking for us. He even says, we're four Americans missing abroad. Somebody's going to come save us. And it's like, yeah, okay. Jeff is Mr. America. He is. He is Captain America. He
1: is Captain America. Absolutely. And I think Jeff's confidence at the beginning is reassuring, especially to Amy and Stacy, who have been visibly nervous about this whole thing since arriving. But as it goes on, I think that it becomes obvious that it's overconfidence or maybe even compensating for his own fears. I think his confidence ends up becoming a little bit weaponized at certain points. I think it's Jay
0: Names. I would not be friends with Juno. I would not be friends with Jeff. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. So then they hear Heinrich's phone ring down from below inside the well structure. So then they decide to rig Matthias up in a harness and lower him down with the crank. Elise is like, absolutely not. You guys are fucking stupid. (laughs) And they are stupid because they fail to check the integrity of the rope Mm. as they're lowering him down. And because the rope is old and presumably has been rotting in the sun for God knows how long, the rope snaps and sends Matthias crashing down into the depths where he is very obviously injured.
1: Yes, but they do hear him moaning from down below, confirming he is alive. So they decide to send one of the girls down to get him. Stacy ends up volunteering and they need one of the girls to go down, A, because the men need to be the one up to crank because they have the most physical strength and B, the girls are just lighter. They're smaller and the rope is obviously fucked up. <laughs>
0: There is like a really subtle interaction between Stacy and Amy where you can tell that Jeff really wants Amy to step up and she won't and Stacy doesn't want to either but she does for the sake of Amy and I think that's interesting when we see the roles begin to reverse when mm. Amy gets a little worse for wear later in the movie. Amy really does have to grow the most in this movie in terms of her own self-preservation and all this because right now she definitely is the more scared of the two.
1: That's such a good point, yeah. So as Stacy's being lowered down, she gets almost to the bottom, but there's not enough rope. So she ends up having to
0: jump a few feet. Can you jump? And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> how is that helping your situation?
1: She doesn't really bad. Look, and I'm sorry, Stacey. I know that you're trying to help your friend. And I know that, you know, you're probably not prepared for this. But she has this lantern in her hands and she jumps with the lantern and then falls to the bottom. I don't know how many feet she jumps, maybe like 12 feet. A hundred yards. No, (laughs) she'd be fucking dead. No, (laughs) I would like to say a hundred yards just because that's my favorite estimate. No, maybe like 10 to 12 feet. She jumps down and falls on top of her lantern. Obviously, the lantern crashes and a huge chunk of glass impales her leg area. At the bottom, she pulls out this like massive chunk of glass. She's obviously in a lot of pain, but she confirms that Matthias is still alive, but he says that he can't feel his lower body. So it seems like he's paralyzed. His back is broken. They need to rig up a backboard to try to get him out of there.
0: Yeah, it's good of Stacy to like go down and help her friend. But this, again, is continuing my logic that we began in Barbarian of like, why do we have loyalty to men we have known for five minutes? <laughs> you don't know him. It's not like it's Eric. It's not like it's her boyfriend yeah. at the bottom. They're all like, we need to save Matthias. And I'm like, why? <laughs> like he brought you here. Not to say that you shouldn't game plan or you shouldn't try. And obviously, at this point, you know, you want to save the amount of people that you have, but after a certain while, like, once I saw that rope wasn't reaching the bottom, I'd be like, sorry, and go right back up. Mm -hmm. Like, there's not much you can do, but what they do end up doing is cutting up one of the tents, and that is able to make the rope longer so that it can reach the bottom, or almost the bottom. And then they use the tent poles to make this backboard so that they can lift Matthias up. So this takes them a while. Night's beginning to fall as this is happening. And Jeff tells Amy, like, you have to go down with the backboard because Stacy can't lift Matthias by himself. And I wrote, it's okay, Jeff. If Amy was my girlfriend, I'd send her in a hole too. Because she is so annoying and inconsiderate. She's cheating on her boyfriend. And, like, there's other characterizations around Amy where she's just saying useless things and, like, really not being of help and assistance. So instead, Amy decides to go AWOL and she runs down to the bottom of the ruins and tries to like run off and please for help. And in anger, she's like, why won't you help us? Why don't you help us? She picks up a bundle of vines and throws it and it ends up hitting a child that's standing around the perimeter of the ruins. And we see the child start crying, his mother start pleading and being held back, all of the men around him like back up and turn on him, and they end up shooting this kid dead. Mm -hmm. So this is telling them that they're afraid of the ruins, and because we've touched it, they won't let us leave. Yes, specifically the vegetation. The
1: roughage. (laughs) The roughage. roughage. These are not the greens you want in your diet. Absolutely not. (laughs) So Amy is back up on top of the ruins now. And I think this is probably a moment for her where she's like, okay, get it the fuck together. She's lowered down on top of the backboard into the pit. And her and Stacey load Matthias onto the backboard in a very sound effect heavy moment. You can hear the squishing and squashing of Matthias's broken back as they load him is so... Oh my God, <laughs> it's very difficult, but they load them on and they all make it back to the top. Up top, Amy is doing some more exploring and she finds a pair of car keys, which I remembered right away. Oh shit, when they arrived in that taxi, there was like a Jeep in the brush. So we're assuming, uh oh, are these the car keys to that Jeep? Maybe Heinrich's car. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: They realize that they shouldn't move Matias again because his back is fucked. And it's Stacey and Amy did a really good job of breaking his back. <laughs> um, so they decide to just like set up camp around him and decide to keep watch to make sure that he, you know, is breathing and that he's okay. Stacy is feeling really guilty over hurting him being like, did we make him worse by picking him up the way that we did? Yes, you did. But there's nothing else you really could have done. Poor Matthias. While well, Amy, again, kind of transitions into this caretaker role because Stacy's really having a hard time and Amy's one bandaging her up. Again, Jeff is trying to be reassuring, like, okay, Dimitri's missed his flight at this point. He says, the Greeks will be here tomorrow. And I was like, not a historically comforting sentence, but okay. <laughs>
1: Yes, he's pretty insistent. This is when I started being like, okay, Mr. Captain America. This is when he has that whole monologue, like, we're not just going to go missing and the Greeks will be here. Stay where you are. Like, he really takes
0: this commander role. Because Eric wants to take the car keys and try to get to the Jeep. And yes. And Jeff's like, no. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Eric is kind of annoying, but I was with Eric here. Also, Eric is Sean Ashmore and he was the 2000s cutie. Like, he's an <laughs> X-Man. I loved to be some Sean Ashmore back in that time. <laughs> Okay, so it's the next morning. Jeff is taking a piss. And while he's taking the piss... Go piss, girl. He... <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do you know that? Means? No, I don't. <laughs> oh,
0: you don't know the go piss, girl, meme? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about.
1: It's like the gossip girl, but people like change the letter. So it says go piss, girl.
0: Oh, that's really funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that though. <laughs> I was like, what? I was so disarmed. But Jeff is going piss girl and (laughs) as he looks, he sees something shiny coming out from the brush. So as he leans in closer, he sees it's a watch, but someone's wearing that watch and it's a dead body. He does not share this with the class. No, no. He's probably assuming it's Heinrich, right? Maybe, maybe like he just doesn't want to alarm anybody. And again, he's the guy that would get bit by a zombie and not tell everybody. Like, you have to share information, and he's making it so that he's the only one that knows the extent of how dangerous their surroundings are. The hills have eyes. Yes.
1: Who's the person that keeps everything? The brother? Oh, Bobby. Bobby. Yeah. Bobby, like, keeps everything. Yeah, that fucking uh, beast is dead. Yeah. Or beauty's dead. Bobby is, like, Jeff's dad.
0: (laughs) Yes, they are related. Yeah. They are related. But as this is happening, as he's making this realization, Stacy wakes up to find that vines are wrapped around her and inside of her leg. Yes, they're growing from her wound. She
1: freaks out. Jeff goes to help her right away. But then Amy is checking on Matthias. Uh-huh. Who feels like something is wrong. And she pulls back the blankets covering him and sees that not only are vines growing out of his leg wounds, but they have started to literally devour his flesh on his legs so that like his bare bones are showing. Oh, so she freaks out. (laughs) Jeff rushes over, rips the vines out of Matthias' wounds. Everybody is very scared, but Amy is starting to, again, continue to find this sense of purpose, assume this leadership role, and when the phone rings again from below, the girls are like, we need to get this fucking phone. So they are lower down and start exploring the cave
0: again. They discover the cold open girl's body down there. Mm -hmm. And they do discover the phone, but the phone is destroyed. It is smashed. It is a non-operational phone. But then they still are continuing hearing the phone ring. So as they wander around with these torches or these lanterns, whatever they're using for light... Amy moves closer to a flower and realizes that the flowers that are growing on the vines are imitating noise that it hears. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what's the thing in the Hunger Games that do the same thing? Oh, the birds. Yeah. Are they like little birds? Are they mocking jays? I don't know. Yeah, the mocking jays do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They reverberate sound, but back there are to, those like
1: mutants that yeah. are a part of the arena that I can actually imitate actual dialogue. Right. Whereas I think the mocking jays, they're they normal might be birds, and yeah. they can just imitate the melody of
0: something. Oh, okay. Okay. Either way, it's like that where they can, <laughs> they can imitate whatever noise is around them. So they are realizing, oh my gosh, these flowers are dangerous, and the vines begin moving and attacking them. There's this really cool scene where they then load back onto the backboard and are lifted back up screaming and crying as the vines are like enclosing their path upwards and you think that they're going to get swallowed up, but they don't. They make it to the top. Everyone's traumatized extra.
1: (laughs) Everyone's extra traumatized now. Back up at the top, they talk about what the hell to do next. There is no phone. Amy
0: is like, we need to go. And the boys are so dismissive. They're like, what do you mean the flowers are alive? I mean, like, didn't you... Uh, whatever i guess especially by the but especially jeff like jeff you saw the body
1: being yeah. divided, like, come on yes yeah, seriously i mean at this point you're right why is that so hard to believe i feel like that shouldn't be so hard to believe at this point with all of the stuff he's in denial he is in denial jeff is still convinced they're going to be saved but then amy mentions the key she's like i found these keys we could go eric is like yes again let's go he mentions maybe he could go and get help for the others. We don't all have to go. One of us could go. But Jeff is like, no. Puts his foot down to keep them all localized. And that's the end of that conversation for now.
0: The next morning, they're low on water and morale. They're mm. very low on supplies. And Jeff wants to amputate Matthias's legs. This is where I'm like, Jeff,
1: I think you're a little overconfident. We have to think if it's worth it to amputate this
0: guy's legs, right?
1: Because he has a point. His legs are fucked. He's going to die from
0: infection and exposure.
1: But if his legs are amputated, his back is still broken, and you don't have the proper tools to do this amputation correctly, he could
0: still die from infection. And he's surmising that this is a good idea because he does not have sensation on his lower leg. So he, in theory, shouldn't feel anything. But there's no way for you to actually test that. Mm -mm. He enlists Eric to help him. He's reluctant. But Matthias is like, I want you to do this. Yeah. I want you to do this. Just do it. Just do it. We get this really cool framing sequence where Stacy and Amy are in the tent covering their ears so they don't have to hear anything. Mm. Meanwhile, we're going back and forth. And this scene takes a long time. Like, it is not short and sweet. I read somewhere that this sequence took nine hours for them to film. Wow. They're feeding Matthias alcohol to try to numb him. They have this big stone that they've put near the fire so that it can be hot to break his bones. And then they have a pan to cauterize his wounds. It's so fucking botched. It is botched. And right when Jeff brings the rock down, you can tell that Matthias can feel everything and is begging him to stop, but Jeff does not. He makes Eric hold him down and the vines carry away the carnage as they all watch after Matthias is cauterized and passes out from the amount of pain that he's in. Mm
1: -hmm. The girls confront him, calling him out for moving forward with the amputation, even when Matthias clearly was saying, I can feel Stop." But Jeff is just of the mind that it had to happen. They show this shot when the vines are carrying away his amputated body parts of like his legs. They could have done it better in the Civil War. I'm sure they did do it better in the Civil War. (laughs) Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know why I'm thinking of the Civil War. I feel like Civil War amputations were really common, but it was also the Civil War. So it was really, really not a great situation to do an amputation.
0: (laughs) It's like, it's brutal. And you're right. Like, his back was broken anyway. I think at this point, we could all agree that he was going to die. Mm -hmm. And especially since Jeff was also of the mind that we're going to be rescued tomorrow. Leave his legs on. Let the actual doctors take care of it then. Why did he feel the need that he needed to be actionable and feel like he needed to do something? It's all about his ego.
1: Yeah, it it does feel very egocentric. That night, Jeff is standing at the base of the ruins, staring down the locals again, while the other three are up at the top feeling sad about there being no cell signal stacy is sleeping and amy joins eric outside for a chat and amy starts crying and eric comforts her which is really nice but then stacy comes out and immediately starts accusing the two of them of fucking she's like i could hear you i think what she was hearing was amy crying
0: well we do get a slight shot of when stacy is waking up I don't know if it's the flowers in her legs or just the flowers generally. It does sound like Amy's giggling. Oh. Not crying. Mm -hmm. So they are making her hear what they want her to hear.
1: If there are plants that repeat sounds they heard, maybe they can hold sound from like Heinrich and the girl he was
0: with. I mean, especially if they are just like making this phone ring whenever they want to. Yes. You could tell it's intentional. But yes, it certainly to her does sound like that they were canoodling when they weren't. So she comes out and sees Eric's arm
1: is around Amy and Amy's head is on her shoulder. She again starts accusing them of cheating together. She calls Amy a whore. They start arguing. Jeff comes up. Stacy outs Amy for having kissed Matthias the night before they left on this trip. It's a mess. Meanwhile, they're all too busy arguing with one another to see that Matthias is currently being gagged by the plants literally inserting themselves into his body through his throat where he suffocates and dies. And I just wrote, poor guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the plants are tactical. They need to stir the pot and create some drama.
1: It's like they know. I think they do. Because really, if you think about it, they could just kill everybody right now. Mm -hmm. But they don't do that. There's enough of them. The people are completely surrounded. The plants are everywhere. But they don't do that. They wait. They distract people here. They target people here. They're super sinister.
0: Matthias dies, and Stacy again, is hysterical. She's saying, it's eating me, like it's eating him. She says it's inside her, and she grabs a knife. She's like, let me show you, let me show you. And then I think this is where the undeniable proof that the flowers are sentient happens, because the flowers start echoing back to her, her screams. It's inside me, it's eating me. Ooh. Like, it's very haunting. And you can tell it has some weird high pitch reverberation where it's not human, but it mm-hmm. still sounds enough like her. And everyone's like, oh, fuck, what is going on?
1: Later, Jeff and Amy kind of have a tender moment, which they have no romantic chemistry. Do you? Think
0: Absolutely they, not. They have like zero. They kind of seem like brother and sister. Yeah, no. Like it is clear that Jeff tolerates Amy and Amy does not like Jeff.
1: Well, I guess it's, maybe it's one of those things where like probably if he left and went to med school, they never would have made it. They would have moved on to different things, but, you know, they never get to that point because
0: they're stuck on the ruins. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like they would have broken up by graduation. Yeah. But this was just their last, we already bought tickets to Mexico. <laughs> we have to go. Yeah. Like, it's like how you wait to break up after the holidays. Like, it's, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's like exactly that. It's just like, okay, after the vacation, well,
1: I'll dump them. Eric comes and gets the others and is like, you have to see this. Stacy lifts up her shirt and shows that we can indeed see a vine moving under her skin in her
0: back. So she asks Jeff to cut it out. She acts really well. She sells that she is being cut open. And yeah, this actress did a really, really
1: good job. She's also such a trooper about it. Mm-hmm. She's selling, yes, that she's being cut into, but she you can also tell she's being very brave, even though she's obviously in a shit ton of pain. So Jeff cuts open her side and yanks the vine out. And the vine is moving, like it looks like, yeah. like a worm yeah. kind of thing. So afterwards, Stacy is laying on Eric's chest. I guess maybe a little bit of time has gone by and she is insistent that there is still something in her. It's in her head. But Jeff says that there will be no more cutting. And there's kind of this sad moment where everyone except Stacey kind of looks at each other Amy turns her head and cries and they all just know that she's fucked
0: because they look at Amy and they see a vine in her forehead. Yeah, peeking out, and she's like, "You saw it. You, you saw it, didn't you?" There's something in my head. I know it's in my head. And I wrote, "Eric is a gentle gaslighter." He's like, "There's nothing there." But like, what else is he going to do? It's appropriate moment? gaslighting. It's appropriate gaslighting. Gaslight me,
1: yes, please. <laughs> if it's me, gaslight me. Ga- yes,
0: lie to me, please. <laughs> lie to me, please. Yeah. Like he he's being so gentle about yes. it because it's like, what good is telling her that mm-hmm. she's right? Whatever. And
1: this is really the moment I think they're all really really realizing, especially Jeff. Like this is the first time Jeff is like okay, there will be no more cutting. Like, I think he's finally admitting that he does not
0: have the tools to manage this situation. And Eric decides that he is making a run for the car that night, no matter what anybody else says. And I think Jeff resigns himself to that has to be the next logical step. But first they take a cuddle puddle nap time together <laughs> in the tent. And Stacy wakes up alone and goes looking for the knife. As she holds the knife, there's more vines around her mimicking her saying, I want to cut it. I want to cut it. I want to cut it. Eric wakes up to hear Stacy sobbing outside and as he approaches her, she is covered in blood. Blood is dripping down her leg. She's cut open her head. There's a large laceration. Oh
1: god, it's awful. She's not just like slicing herself. She is ripping
0: hunks of skin away from her. Like it is really hard to watch. It was this part of the movie where I was like, Elise is going to fucking kill me for making her
1: watch. (laughs) I was not pleased. (laughs) But I was watching this with Riley and he made me mute it. So I did watch the scene muted. (laughs) Okay. (laughs)
0: With, of course, closed caption on, but it worked
1: out for me that way too.
0: Jeff tries to stop her, but Stacy does not want to give up the knife. So she, in defense, slices his hand, which I think terrifies him. Because as we've learned, if you have an open wound, that is making you a million times more susceptible of the vines uh, emerging Mm -hmm. within you. Because otherwise, if you don't have an open wound, they grow on your clothes, but they can't get inside of you in the same way that Stacy and Matthias have been dealing with.
1: At least from what we've seen. Yes. Because I keep thinking of that little boy who just got hit with a small leaf bush. And Dimitri,
0: like he just stepped into them. Yes. When he, before he got killed. Yes. Yeah.
1: True. I totally forgot about Dimitri. Yes. But they still killed him. So, you know, if we're assuming that the townspeople know best, who knows? Maybe the wound just brings on those symptoms faster. Yeah. I
0: don't know. Or they're just not taking any fucking chances. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Jeff is slashed across the hand. He backs away. Then Eric goes to approach Stacy and she quickly turns around and stabs him right through the heart. And right away, she like she's lucid enough to realize what she has done. She's crying. Everybody is gathered around him as he dies. The vines
0: come out and start dragging Eric's body away. Do we think the Vines were acting through Stacy because they were in her where like they are the ones that like compelled her to react aggressively or was she so hysterical? I, I don't like using that word, but she was so distressed. Yes. That she was just acting in defense without thinking because as soon as Eric dies, the Vines take him. It's like, okay, well, they were extra hungry. So they like needed a big kill or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. Like, I don't,
1: I don't think the Vines need Stacy. The Vines can do whatever the fuck they want. Right. I really believe that. I don't think they were also working through Stacey. I think that because she literally had something inside her and it's been days on top of these ruins now, I think that she was in such an extreme state of distress Mm -hmm. that she was acting aggressively. And we did see at this point people trying to calm her down enough where I think that she is to the point where she's cutting herself open trying to get these vines out and people are still trying to tell her to calm down. I think it's like one of those things where it's like, don't tell me to calm down. Like, she knows something is wrong. She doesn't feel like she maybe getting the attention for it that she wants or needs and i think it's causing her to act aggressively
0: especially because we get a really cool framing shot as eric is being dragged away it's like from behind stacy and you see a vine like still moving in her leg of a (sighs) flank that's cut off so it's like she's right it's obviously still inside her but this obviously very traumatic event makes stacy beg amy to just kill her Amy of course can't do it, but Jeff just takes the knife from Eric's chest as it's being dragged away from him as the flowers reverberate, Stacy screams, "Kill me, kill me, just kill me." Her screaming stops from the local point of view telling us that Jeff did indeed kill Stacy, a mercy killer.
1: Oh my gosh. I <sighs> <I'm> just <laughs> like just <laughs> This is one of those movies that's it's hard to watch, but it's even harder to talk about than yeah. I I forget what other movie it was like that, but this is one of those. It's like, oh my God, revisiting this. So now we are left with Jeff and Amy and they are making a plan to run. We don't know what their plan is, but he's talking to her about run to the Jeep. Don't stop. She's making him promise you're still going to be here, right? He says yes, but he knows he's not going to be here. And also their plan, it's obvious that he's not going to be there. He's covering her in blood, which is also kind of weird at first. But then we see the plan start to move into action. Jeff is walking down the side of the ruined, carrying Amy's body, which appears dead because it's covered in blood. He lays it down on the ground in front of the townsfolk or the guards watching the ruins. And he starts walking away from the body along the side of the perimeter of the ruins and starts talking at the people. And of course we know they can't understand, but we're starting to gather, he's making a distraction. Mm -hmm. So he's talking to the townsfolk about, you didn't even know her name. You don't even know my name. He starts kind of recounting part of his story. I guess in what's supposed
0: to be a powerful humanizing moment. I for said him. Jeff Whiteman monologues. Like, yes. like it's it's just very pompous and like not emotional at all. It's just you did this to me. Like yeah. it's I'm yeah. Jeff.
1: That's my name. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's moving away, away,
1: away, away, away. And I guess the signal is he said, and her name is Amy. <laughs> and she gets up and runs. But because he has now yelled, which I think is a cue enough that he is aggressive, he is shot through the chest with an arrow and falls to the ground. And then other people realize that Amy has gotten up and run away. So some people go after Amy, the main man from the beginning, goes up to Jeff and shoots him. We see Amy running through the woods, hear the shot, know that that must mean that Jeff is dead, which is like this plan,
0: obviously, Was a suicide mission for Jeff. Yes. I mean, he was cut already to like. Yes.
1: But Amy manages to make it to the Jeep. It's stick shift. Good thing this girl knows how to drive stick shift. This is honestly the most impressive moment of the movie for me. Imagine getting that far and being like, God damn it, that would have been me. That would have been me. I'd be like, fuck this. I can't drive this vehicle. Where are my flip
0: flops? I like, gotta keep running my flip flops. Oh my God. <laughs> that was
1: also the other impressive thing. The whole time Amy is in flip flops,
0: which She's is amazing. She's traversing the mind wilderness in flip flops. Which is
1: also so 2008, because I know that she has like 17 pairs of the Old Navy colorful flip flops. Oh yeah.
0: Mexican wilderness, my bad. But yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. But dropped, <laughs> yeah, no, she got the dollar flip flops or Whatever the fuck video the is in every single color.
1: Wow. And they didn't break, which is amazing. Girl, drop the link to where you got those little exactly. <laughs> But anyway, she clears the jungle and drives off into the sunset and then cut to the movie closing on an image of the two Greeks from the resort arriving to the ruins in search of Dimitri. But there
0: is an alternative ending. There's actually two alternative endings. Okay, I'm so sorry. The one I couldn't really understand, I think it was something about Amy did get killed on the way out, and as her body was put to rest, the flowers start emanating from her grave site. So, like, her body was flown back home, but then the flowers are growing, like, from her grave. And then the other one in the unrated version, as Amy manages to drive away in the jeep, a close shot of her face is shown with crawling, moving vines under her forehead, showing that she, too, is infected and is spreading Mm. the vines from beyond the ruins. We love alternative endings, which has been cool for the past couple weeks with the descent, obviously. Mm -hmm. Lots of options. So first, just some post plot fun stuff on the vines, because we all know that I love practical effects and just like learning what goes into all of that. So this comes from the article 10 years later, the ruin still gets under the skin by Trace Thurman. He writes, if you're going to have a movie about killer vines taken seriously, you have to pay extra special attention to every frame of the film where they are present. Carter Smith and his production crew knew this, and whether or not they were successful is up to the viewer. They went through the painstaking process of creating all the vines that were present on screen. They even had a head vine maker position, Oh, nice! thanks to Gary Cameron, while some would say that the leaves on the vines looked like marijuana leaves. I did think that. And many reviews did say that their design was actually borrowed from the Tiarella leaf, more specifically, the Tiarella Jeepers Creepers. That's the name of the plant. Why is it called that? Because I guess it looks ominous and creepy. I'm not quite sure. The vines themselves were modeled after pumpkin vines.
1: Oh my god, pumpkin vines are crazy, dude. Oh, you know all about that. Well, I tried to grow them last summer and long story short, they didn't get enough water so they never grew any fruit. But my whole backyard, which is very small, still was covered in vines. It was weird.
0: They grow fast. I'm glad that you watched the ruins after that.
1: Yeah, me too. I'll (laughs) still try again this summer though.
0: Making them look as real as possible was especially important since the majority of the film takes place in direct sunlight, so if the plants looked fake, it would be immediately obvious. And that was another cool thing I read about this movie, too, is they used all natural light. Like, they only filmed in the daylight, so everything oh, nice. was, like, lit very authentically. The use of practical effects helped tremendously with the believability of the film. There is very little actual CGI present, and when it is used, it is reserved for the shots of the moving plants. Mm. The biggest use of CGI was when the plants finally reveal themselves to be sentient, but nearly all of the gore effects were created using prosthetics. I also read somewhere that the shots of Stacey's legs used nine prosthetic legs. There were like nine or 10 different legs used to shoot the scene where Jeff is cutting the vines out of Stacey's leg.
1: Oh, man. They did a good job. Yeah. And I think it holds up as the article title says. Mm -hmm. 10 years
0: later, like it's very disturbing. And then obviously this movie is based on the novel and typically from adaptations, you know, similar things happen, but the deviations from this novel are like so funky that I just really wanted to speak to it a little bit. So in the novel, there are no ruins to speak of it is just a hill overgrown with vines and the shaft is cut into it. Director Carter Smith suggested changing it to an ancient Mayan temple to which writer Scott B. Smith agreed. I was trying to find literature on this, talking about the idea of like, okay, there's all of these Americans in this space where they're not appreciating or respecting or adhering to the local culture and are perhaps being punished for that. And is that what this is saying? But I do think it like adds a lot visually. Like I'm sure them just sitting on a hill in a movie would be a little less of a punch. I don't know. Like, I don't know exactly how I feel about it. I think like in terms of Hollywood adding the Mayan ruins brings
1: with it the pre-established lore surrounding Mayan culture. And I think because Mayan culture has like so many legends around it, which again, was Moctezuma's curse, the thing that was previously alluded to earlier with that opening dialogue. You know, it does bring like that sense of mystery. Is this an ancient curse? What is this? I think it does kind of bring with it that set of pre-established expectations that maybe just a hill wouldn't. Also, I'm confused about there being a shaft cut into the hill. I guess that would be an actual well. But was the hill hollow somehow? So like if I'm looking at that shaft in the ruins itself, I'm not really questioning why that's there. There as much because I'm like, well, this is a structure. It was built this way for some reason. But if there's like a hill with a shaft in it, then I'm like, why is that shaft there?
0: Yeah, you're right. And the fact that a temple comes with a storied history, but you would have to provide a storied history for why this hill has vines that like are sinister. Not yes. to say that the ancient traditions of Mayans are sinister, but, like, there's a lot more mystique to that, mm-hmm. especially assuming that Americans wouldn't be aware of that. Even us, like, not being aware of that history to its biggest degree speaking about this. It's just, like, we as Americans are being like, oh, we don't know anything about that, so it's intimidating on its face. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Because it's, there's just so much we don't know. Yeah. So even though the novel and the screenplay were written by the same person, the deaths of the characters were switched around. In the film, Stacy cuts her knee and the plants start growing inside her. She ends up killing Eric and begs for the others to kill her. In the book, it is Eric who cuts his knee <gasps> Oh, and he kills Matthias after he tries to take the knife from him. In the film, Matthias breaks his back and later gets his legs cut off. But in the novel, this happens to Pablo, who is Dimitri in the film.
1: Oh! So in the book, it is
0: actually a Mexican tour guide that is taking them about. There's no Greeks. Or if there are Greeks, they're not as significant as they huh. are in the the movie and in the film jeff is killed by the mayans trying to save amy so she can escape it in the novel jeff is killed by the mayans trying to escape after amy has been killed by the plants during the night which is how matthias dies in the film right so in the book it's amy who has the vines crawl down her oh. throat and kill her and the final girl is actually stacy oh because stacy doesn't cut herself in the book it's eric who's eviscerating himself in the book why did they t- i don't know yeah <laughs> well I-, I have thoughts actually okay so in the novel, Stacy is the last survivor, stabbing Eric as he begs to die after accidentally stabbing Matthias, who tries to stop him from cutting vines out of himself the same way that Stacy kills Eric in the film. Hmm. There's a lot of names here. I'm sorry. <laughs> Stacy commits suicide in front of the ruins to warn off others who might find the ruins, but the plants make her body disappear. Mm. In the novel, Amy is the first character to die. But in the film, she is the one who survives and unlike any of the characters in the novel, actually manages to escape. Wow. So, again, everything is just, like, really switched around, and these are my thoughts. I said, it's interesting that the film adaptation switches the roles of Eric and Stacy in the film, Stacy instead looking like the irrational, hysterical one who has to convince everyone around her that the vines are growing inside her, where in the book, it's Eric, and he's taken more seriously. So, the fact that it's a woman being, quote-unquote, hysterical, or not taken as seriously... And in the book, too, when they send Stacy and Amy down into the shaft to get the phone, in the book, it's Jeff and Amy that go down. So hmm. Jeff is actually the one that sees the plants ringing. Where in the movie, it's the women that come back up and they're not believed because it's the two of them like, what do you mean the plants are ringing? But in the book, it's taken seriously because Jeff is the one that sees it firsthand for the first time with Amy present.
1: It sounds like a lot of these changes are to align the film more with traditional horror tropes, Mm -hmm. like the irrational women, domineering alpha male, things like that. Yeah, I was also thinking when I was watching this that these four people reminded me a lot of the core four in I Know What You Did Last Summer. Like, Stacy is our girl, Helen Shivers. Amy is... Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah, and there
0: were some similarities there, I thought. You said core four, and I'm like, Scream 6? Like, <laughs> no. I was like, core four, I was core like what? Four. <laughs> I think watching it again, like, this was one of my favorites growing up because it actually scared me. I don't think the quality of the movie is, like, the best in terms of story, dialogue, character (laughs) development, all those types of things. But part of the reason I loved this movie so much growing up was it did genuinely get under my skin. (laughs) Because, like, it's, I don't know, it terrified you. Like, just the idea that you have something growing inside you and taking over your environment and you can't escape and you're not allowed to leave and you're in an unfamiliar place. Like, I don't know, that struck a chord with me. But what did you think?
1: Yeah, I agree. I thought it was very scary. I like that there's kind of this feeling of a cyclical event Mm -hmm. that occurs. Obviously in the beginning when these people arrive, there's already the tents set up and they're looking for Heinrich. And then at the end, we close the movie with the Greeks arriving. Like there's this sense of the cycle, which I'm wondering what that means. Is it there just to feel creepy or is it there to show the insatiable desire to explore territories that aren't our own? Or to think that despite a path being deliberately blocked off or despite something not being on a map, that we still have the right to explore it for our own, I think is interesting. I'm not really sure how I'm supposed to feel about the ending because if we're looking at the ending of this film where Amy gets away and we don't see a vine slithering under her skin, I'm wondering, like, are we supposed to feel happy for her? Because there is a sense of impending doom that she is infected with something that she is now taking with her. And so I'm wondering, you know, is it selfish?
0: Oh, yeah. I think
1: it's very selfish for her to leave. What is that gonna do... But then maybe that's my post-COVID brain talking, you know, fresh out of a pandemic. Would it make more sense to stick with the original ending of the book where there's like a self-sacrificial suicide at the end? But then I'm like, am I being unfair? She doesn't know what's going on and we don't know if she's infected or not because we've only seen the wounded, the clearly wounded, be infected.
0: I think it's speaking to Western culture being more individualistic and other cultures being more communal Mm -hmm. or utilitarian, like doing what's best for the group, where we in the West are very much like, it's about yourself, look out for yourself make your own success, you do this, you look out for you and you alone. So she thinks that her life is more valuable than everybody else that she could impact around her. And that's a very American way of thinking where I think in the book, it synthesizes this, I need to warn others so that this doesn't spread. And I need to make sure that other people don't experience what I experienced. So I'm going to lay myself out, even if it's very bleak. Mm -hmm. But of course, it's a horror movie, especially in the 2000s post 9-11, like we want a satisfying ending yeah i do think the slithering would have been a more satisfying ending than her just driving off into the sunset again it's very much the descent with sarah seeing juno in the passenger seat i would have just preferred her stay in the cave yeah because it's a more satisfying ending for me it feels like it gives more of a direction like okay fuck like i should
1: feel nervous about this because i did see a vine whereas now i'm kind of like okay where does this leave amy
0: what's she gonna do where is she gonna go She's just going to go back to the
1: resort and pack her bags and fly back. If she can even get there. I mean, maybe she has a GPS. I know that there were (laughs) GPSs in 2008, but I don't know if there's going to be one in this Jeep that she was able to score. So anyway, I just kind of was left at the end feeling like I don't know how to feel and wondering if audiences would feel differently watching this movie today for the first time post-COVID than they would in 2008 under different circumstances where we hadn't experienced, you know, a worldwide pandemic since the influenza outbreak in 1918. I don't know. How is
0: this movie evolving, which is interesting to think about. Well, I think our movie next week also has a lot to do with weird <laughs> body stuff, weird <laughs> impacts, weird space time. Yes. A lot of what is it to be human anymore. Yeah. Uh-huh. Very interesting film that we just watched that I think we're still gathering our thoughts on and trying to make sense <laughs> yeah. of to close April out with.
1: Yes. So of course, as always, if you want to keep in touch with us about what we're doing, when we're doing it, follow us on Instagram at The Horrors Podcast. And feel free to get in touch with us via email if you would like as well with recommendations, requests, things like that at the podcast at gmail.com. And until next time, we're The Horrors.